1: Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, the Mason Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Seifer, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. How are you guys doing this week? Doing Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay is a good, good way to put it. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah. Well, before we start, I just want to let everyone know to keep Thomas in their thoughts and prayers. He's not with us this week because of something personal, but he can... Definitely use everyone's good vibes out there. So um, I don't even want to do promote Extend Trade this week because it's just whatever. So um, we'll just look at the Asian teams quickly here. The Unilions they went one and four this week, and that puts them at a very messy 28 and 38 for the year. Yes. Uh, hitter of the week was Chi Chen Chen who is the weakest of the Lions' is three outfielders, but still one of the best in the league. Uh, he had a quietly good week this week, but nothing too outstanding. He went 7-16 with all, tri- all, all singles and three stolen bases. And then pitcher of the week is Josh Rannicki for the fourth time this season. Dude, this guy um, just doesn't quit. Yeah, I mean, it's a team that has very little pitching, and he's basically their only... Solid pitcher right now. He went seven shutout innings. He led four hits. He walked one and he struck out two. So, doesn't really jump out at you, but, you know, quietly good numbers. Um, the Lions also announced that they're signing one more foreign pitcher because they had a third roster spot open. And that pitcher is probably somebody that everyone knows. Uh, Teddy Stankiewicz. He was the Mets' second-round pick. In the 2011 draft, and he didn't sign.
2: Well, that's a callback, dude. Jeez. Yeah,
1: he went. He ended up going to the Red Sox. Um, basically, his name popped up a couple of times on like the back end of you know prospect lists in like 2013, 2014, around there. But his upside was always basically just kind of an organizational arm, and that's really all he became. Uh, spent a lot of time in the Eastern League with uh, Portland Sea Dogs, So any uh, B-Mets fans out there should be very familiar with him. And a little factoid, he's a right-handed pitcher, and apparently he was born without a right pectoral muscle. So I don't even know how you could pitch
2: with that one. But How would you, you? That's? So, like, I mean, obviously the first person I think of when you say born without X is Dickie, mm-hmm. who was, of course, born without his UCL. Which, for most people, is just like a useless uh borderline vestigial thing. How can you lift your arm without a peck? i yeah, I don't know,
1: let alone pitch at a high level, but
2: that's crazy. I never heard yeah. of that before,
1: yep, pretty interesting um so we'll go to Korea now, and the l g twins they actually caught fire this week. they were four and one. And they outscored their opponents 48 to 19 in those five games. So, not bad. Um, good, good. Yeah, they're 40, 32, and 1 for the season, which is fourth place, and seven games behind the Dinos. Hitter of the week was A Song Che, who was Hitter of the Week early in the season. He's, he's the guy that was known for wearing uh, Harry Potter glasses. <laughs> and he went 11 for 25 with two homers, 16 RBI five strikeouts and a hit by pitch
2: and seems, seems fish something's fishy there you know puts on the <laughs> Harry Potter glasses starts hitting mm. yes yeah. of those 16 RBI
1: eight of them came in just one game so not bad eight
2: um, ain't RBI game that's
1: uh mm-hmm not the twins common. twins won 24 to seven in that one so oh wow yeah And then Pitcher of the Week, um, again, someone who's been here quite a lot, is Casey Kelly. It's his fourth time, and he went seven innings this week, allowing one run on eight hits, uh, didn't walk anybody, and struck out three. And now the Occult Swallows, they went two and four this week, and they're 17, 15, and four on the year, which is still good enough for second place in the Central League. And before we get to players of the week, some roster news with them, Gabriel Yanoa was deactivated, and he's probably done with them because he was really, 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 really bad. Um, he started six games and is a 9.82 ERA, which basically comes Oof. out. Yeah, it's like a run Oof. every inning. He uh, had pitched 22 innings, and in those 22 innings, he walked 10. He struck out 15. And he'll had 41 hits, so Yikes. that is yeah that is why he's being deactivated. Stunt BP basically. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hitter of the week now is young slugger Munitaka Murakami. He went five for 20 with a double, two homers, six RBI, three walks, and five strikeouts. Um, you know, fine doesn't really jump off the page or anything like that. But his homers were number five and six on the year so it's still way down from last year when he hit, like, 30. But he is hitting on the season 336, 436, 565, so that'll definitely play. And Pitcher of the Week is finally someone other than Yasuhiro Ogawa, although Ogawa did have a good week, and he was almost Pitcher of the Week. (laughs) But this week, it is... Keiji Takahashi, who, threw, who he threw eight scoreless innings, allowing three hits, walking one, and striking out six. So Takahashi was Yakult's third pick in the 2015 draft. He's a left-handed pitcher out of high school. Uh, his first two seasons, 2016 and 2017, they were basically washes because of injuries. And he was finally healthy in 2018, and he spent most of that year on Yakult's minor league team. And he made his Swallows debut at... The end of that year, and he looked pretty good, and as a result of that kind of brief um, audition, he was thrust into the role of opening day starter in 2019, and he started the season all right, um, but he regressed big time, and he ended the 2019 season with a 576 ERA in 95 in the third innings, uh, allowed 99 hits. Walked 53 and struck out 99, so not uh,
2: not great. Now, now for no. reference, right, that the ERA is higher there generally. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, but still, that's a little too high.
1: Yeah, um, the stuff is good though. I mean, he has a really good fastball. It's basically his bread and butter. It sits in the low to mid 90s, tops out at 96, which is way beyond you know, the league average, which in Japan. Uh, last year was like 89, and it's coming from the left side. So a left hander with a good fastball is always a plus. But what what makes him really distinct, I guess, um, and makes his fastball even harder to hit are his mechanics. So I want to do this in real time. So I'm gonna post.
2: Um, uh, you you want us to react uh in in, in live reacts? Yep. Prospect no. experts react live.
1: <laughs> I just posted a link in Slack, so open up a, open up the Slack and watch. These are his mechanics.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: okay this started, and he's just kind of like wiggling to get his fitting. I already like this. It's
2: too oh easy. my god! It's uh dice K esque almost.
0: How does he do that with his hip?
2: <laughs> what thing with his hip?
0: How oh, he's just kind of flailing his leg as he goes up?
2: This, dude, this dude's got, like, several jitters. Ticks. Ticks is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, that is putting it So, nicely. like, the, 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 the whole, I, I guess the, uh... Lot, I feel like lots of Japanese pitcher do Japanese... I cannot speak. As usual. Lots of Japanese pitchers do the um, kind of hold the leg there, poised on one leg sort of weight thing. But I don't know that I've ever seen one that does the, the wiggle on the way up. Like yeah, said.
0: there's like a wiggle, and it, it, it's almost like he's trying to get the hitter to, like, hey, look at my hand. Look at my uh-huh, hand.
2: Uh-huh. You
1: know? And that's, that's wild.
2: That, I mean, Another... I like it. If, if you're able to pull this kind of. I don't know okay, that gimmick's it's the right. Much more
0: normal out of the stretch. Yeah. It looks like I, yeah. I I, um, I don't know
2: if gimmick it, is the right word. But it was even worse when off. he was in high school. Yeah. I posted uh, the one school. final. At this. Yeah. It is really.
1: I, I think he's just kind of fuck. He's just kind of making things up as he goes, really.
2: I like the expression on the hitter's face. Like, what the hell is? What, what am I looking at? <laughs> I mean, the pro like in theory, this is a good idea, right? Like Johnny Cueto does some of this stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else. Right, but in theory, mixing it up, messing with your timing, distracting hit like anything you can do to throw a hitter off a little bit, it's probably a good idea. The downside is usually that it just destroys your ability to repeat your release point. So if he can pull that off while doing all this. Funky shit in his uh, pitch to pitch, then sure, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, it's um, what they call signature
2: in, in uh-huh. scouting circles.
0: You know, things that a player can do that
1: only they can do. Yeah, Jim Allen, who is a, it's not a even former. The, it's
2: not even the same pitch to pitch. He's no, making a, it up yeah. for each pitch.
1: <laughs> He's
0: just kind of feeling it. <laughs>
1: uh, Jim Allen is an MVP blogger, and he describes. Um, Takahashi's wind-up as if he was like a transformer that's transforming. <laughs> uh, he says, quote, <clears throat> quote. he lowers the leg most of the way and holds it as he raises his hands over his head until pausing at the apex. Then, as he lowers his hands, he raises his right leg to meet them and goes into something like a normal delivery. After gyrations, After the gyrations, the move home is a picture of smooth efficiency. So... When you could write an entire paragraph about how a pitcher's mechanics are kind of weird, and you know uh-huh. that they're pretty weird.
2: Uh, I'm gonna give the, that writer credit for putting that into words because I would have just been like, "Here, here's some garbage words." Now imagine this as a delivery, <laughs> and you basically got the gist of it. What's like the what's like the filler words that you see in every stupid web timeline Lorem sort of Ipsum, like, blub Ipsum, blub. yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine that now as a delivery, and you got a good idea of what's happening here. That is, that is
0: the, the lingual equivalent.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for everyone listening, I encourage you to uh, look them up because
2: it is some weird stuff. Maybe, maybe we I also
0: encourage it. you to read some Lorem Ipsen.
2: Yes, you do. Read, read Lorem. We should uh, maybe throw the links in the post on, on AmazonAvenue.com. Okay. Mm. I'll throw it up and uh, you can look for yourself and appreciate the weirdness <laughs> that we just uh, witnessed. Yep.
1: All right, so we got a lot of player news to catch up with um, this week. So the first one I guess we'll touch on involves a guy that isn't even on the team anymore. Uh, We had an old friend make his debut in Houston, and so far over five appearances, Blake Taylor is unscored upon in seven and a third innings with three hits allowed, no walks, and nine strikeouts. Obviously... Nice yeah small sample sizes in effect here because you get shelled horribly for the rest of the season um from here on out but you know this past weekend the entire first week of baseball you know the Mets sure could have used a couple of scoreless innings out of the bullpen and uh you know Jake Marisnik on the DL was was used pretty sparingly when he wasn't hurt so yeah i mean not a, it's not it's a good, funny.
2: It's funny that this is happening because we can very easily tie this into the Humphreys for for um oh my God Billy Hamilton trade right. It's like they instead of just well look, yeah we'll like, get
1: to that in a second but yeah. right
2: right I know we get to that in a second <laughs> but the point I, the point I'm trying to get to here is that look like there are Blake Taylor is a replaceable piece right and the probability that he's like an elite reliever is is low but you still don't want to just be throwing that away for something that you can sign because on the rare if it works out which it seems like it is early on for him that's a cheap valuable piece and they just threw it away for something they could have gotten for money instead and they sure like Blake Taylor pitching like this would be their second best reliever right now I mean, he's
1: taking some I, of the
2: I've
0: pressure off Lugo. I read the recap on Friday that like they had a series of bullpen meltdowns from like the only guys you can trust. <laughs> you, yeah, you supposedly could trust like Lugo. You know, Batanzas hasn't looked great. Diaz is still Diaz. Like the reason, like like you you need guys. <laughs> it's upsetting that they keep throwing away reasonably.
1: You know cheap young relief guys you know Mm -hmm. well speaking of throwing away young players the next move that we'll talk about now is Jordan Humphreys being designated for assignment and then traded to the Giants uh they put Humphreys on the 40-man roster over the winter to protect him from the Rule 5 draft and then they needed room on the roster this week so they DFA'd him and then the Giants Liked him, and they worked out a trade for uh, Billy Hamilton. Now, listen, I'm not a big Jordan Humphrey fan. I think uh, that yeah. a lot of a lot of yeah. the hype, I think, was just from like shiny numbers because the stuff didn't really match it. But come on, <laughs> like you this know.
0: this is like super Mets,
2: yeah, like
1: like
0: Uber,
2: this is like Mets. simultaneously super Mets and also super. Raise into Dodgers into Giants because that that's basically where that where their front office tree came from. Also from A's because A's used to work for Bean, I think, right? Or however you pronounce. Well, whatever, right? Smart front office versus dumb front office. Smart front office, yeah, we're rebuilding team. Like our roster's bad. We're, it's and they're not a team that's like not trying to compete. They're a team with a bloated old like a team that makes sense to rebuild. We'll just throw out some money and pick up some vets and maybe and we'll try to flip them for something useful. Oh, look, we flipped them for something useful. Mets, yeah, we're not gonna build adequate depth because that would cost money in the off season, but in three months, we're gonna start throwing away some pitchers that we really can't afford to throw away, given how thin our system is for the thing we didn't sign three months ago.
0: Yep, it is just. I mean, they, they signed multiple of this player. <laughs> it's They, total... like all hurt. Marisnik is sign kind that of is the this same player? thing. Marisnik's Merz, kind of the same thing. And right. other, all defense player. type player. Lagaris is, is more say or, say, or less the same thing. Cordell. Cordell is functionally no different. Hamilton's just like a slightly better version of all of these guys. Yeah. Not meaningfully better enough than that. You you need to go out and get him, just
1: the same. <laughs> it's I mean, he's he's the one that they should have signed to begin with as their fourth yep. outfielder, fifth outfielder, yeah. whatever. And then they'd still have Blake Taylor, yeah. and they'd still have and Jordan Humphreys. Humphreys. Yep. And and it's yeah. literally the
2: same thing as the same point I just made about Taylor applies to Humphries. Mm-hmm. I don't think he. I I don't really have any strong opinions about Blake Taylor, the specific pitcher. He's probably not even a major league pitcher, because most guys probably aren't. But there's that 10, 20, we could quibble over the percentage chance that he becomes a functional reliever or something more than that. And lo and behold, when was the last time the Mets had an excess of functional relievers? It's almost like they have a bad habit of just throwing these guys away to make up for their poor planning, which then besets – But that's not the word I'm looking for. Begets—that's the word—begets more poor planning in the future, right? It's just a self-perpetuating cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just terrible, terrible roster management. I mean,
2: exactly. I, I and and think... it's not—it's like it's like they took the lesson because there is a lesson, right? Like you should be—if you are content, teams do the opposite of this as well. If you're contending and you need something, you trade this player. No problem trading Jordan Humphreys for a good reliever at the deadline, or or a a better bench bat at the deadline. If you have a contending team, yeah, that's fine. You, you don't just they they took that lesson and then just said, well, we should trade. We should be willing to trade him. So that means he's valueless, and we should just trade them for whatever. Right, and, that's and that's just what they started doing.
1: That's the thing is that there was no. I mean, the the fact that he was even traded, that they were able to work out a deal with the Giants, is actually good because. They just DFA'd him. He could have been just picked up, uh, and, and, and got for nothing, uh, by some other team. But, I mean, there, there was no reason to DFA him to begin with. No. At the time, Hunter Strickland was still on the roster. He literally got DFA'd, I think, like the next day, or the day after. Jed Lowry was still
2: on, not on
1: the six uh, Not on the DL, right? So, there were literally two moves that could have-
2: Excuse me they yeah. just made it a forty-five, or whatever this. Year.
1: There are literally two moves that have could that could have been made to protect that that roster spot.
2: I mean, and... let's you should we should also mention like a the Mets look awful right now, and b there is a I don't want to say it's like I don't know what the actual chance is, but there's it seems to me like there's a reasonably decent chance this season isn't going to last too much longer. And you're going to throw pieces away for present value when your team already looks bad? And not even for a piece that meaningfully moves the needle? Very,
0: very Mets.
2: It, yep. it's, this is the stuff that really grinds my gears, in case you can't. this Of all the things the Mets do, this is the stuff that, that grinds my gears.
0: I, this yep. doesn't make me happy, but the, how the last 24 hours or so has gone has also ground my
2: gears. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's not a not, not a
2: great.
1: good not a good couple of hours for
2: anyone, really. Peter uh, Yeah, and not then great, now
1: man. our last uh, relevant roster move here uh, from last week is Franklin May being promoted, and he got pressed into service pretty much immediately when Michael Walker stuck up the joint and. Uh, Kilomey pitched four innings, allowed two runs on two hits, two walks, um, and a hit-by-pitch, and he struck out five. So all in all, not too bad for a guy coming back from Tommy John, who hasn't pitched competitively above AA. Mm -hmm. I only caught uh, the first inning, but it seemed to be a very Franklin-Kilomey outing. Uh, Fastballs around 95, curve looked okay, changes are right, and the control wasn't great. And that's Kilomey in a nutshell. Um, he was sent back down after the game, but I'm reasonably certain that he'll be back, back up this season.
2: Yeah, probably. Yeah, I like Kulame. He's a better version of, of the guys we were just complaining about, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was an encouraging adding. He didn't stink, so no. that's all you could really ask for, I guess.
2: You can, you can, you can glimpse in there and kind of polish the stone a little bit to see, ooh, that's, uh, those pitches are, those are some nice looking pitches right there, uh, and imagine some exciting stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Which is more than you could say for the rest of the Mets gameplay over the last week. Uh, yeah, duh, that's
1: definitely true. Alright. So, uh, Last week, we were fetching about Corey Oswald being rostered over David Peterson. Like a day or two later, Peterson is promoted. He got a start. Wes chevy, allowed two runs mm-hmm. over five innings, uh, five and two-thirds innings, giving up seven hits, walking two, and striking out three. He's starting a uh, second game as we're recording right now, and I don't think that's going too
2: well. Well, it didn't go well for the Mets, but I thought he looked excellent, actually. Oh, okay. Well, um, since I have the... Lovely privilege of recapping this game Um He had a 132 ERA plus
1: When I wrote it down a couple, like two days ago So I'm guessing he does not have a 132 ERA plus right
2: now No, so he went <laughs> six He went six innings, gave up three runs oh, eight okay Eight, eight strikeouts um, well, He did give up a solo home run to Johan Camargo But the two other runs um, Basically the way that inning went He gave up like a, a dinky little single Then a hard hit double Um then there was this weird ground ball to third that really should have been an out, but McNeil messed up the rundown. Um, he walked the next batter, so he walks in a run, and then he get, gets a strikeout, like a, blows Dansby Swanson away, um, and then gets ground ball outs out of Freddie Freeman and and Marcel Ozuna, only gives up two runs. And honestly, the first double play might have been, or the first ground ball might have been a double play with different defensive positioning, but. Basically he gave up the one hard hit with the home run and the other hard hit with the double and then the sequencing was just unlucky.
1: Oh okay. um, I thought he did a lot worse than he actually did, so that's good.
2: Oh, yeah. And uh I think it was so, I mean I'm I'm I have less of a scout's eye than you two, and I don't know if either of you were watching, but he he one pitch that really caught my attention he back footed a slider to Ozuno that had him tie and Ozuno will tie himself in knots because he's that kind of hitter, but it was a pretty looking pitch to strike him out in the second inning. He's controlling the fastball well. Like I'm more impressed than I thought I'd be with him. Yeah, he does have a good
0: slider. The slider definitely flashed. Yeah, he, um, not all of them were super crisp that I saw, no. but like he did throw a couple of good ones, and I'd expect him to get a little more consistent with it
1: as he mm, gets the innings. Well, knock on wood. Obviously, um, our main problem was though at the time last week, anyway. You know, you know, you're getting with Corey Oswalt. There's a good chance David Peterson is gonna be able to do what Oswald can do or better. And so far he's clearly better. Yeah. So you throw Peterson out there and see what happens. So this week we're going to look at the players that are in the Mets pool and we'll compare them to the guys that are already on the roster and you know, we'll determine if we're bullish or bearish on their ability to perform at that kind of, you know, replacement level. There are a few guys that definitely fit the criteria Um, you know, Pedro Payano, Erasmo Ramirez, Jared Parker. But I'm going to gloss over those guys because they're not really Mets prospects. They're just, you know, depth signings that would have been playing at AAA if we had a regular season and would have been, you know, the guys that get called up during the injuries. Yeah, exactly. So the first guy up uh, is Ali Sanchez. Uh, catchers that the Mets are carrying right now are Wilson Ramos, Tomas Nito, and Rene Rivera, who was just put on the DL. Obviously, Ramos has gotten the lion's share shared the playing time, and rightly so, because he is the starting catcher. And Nito and Rivera both just have a couple of at-bats. So would you guys want Ali Sanchez over either Nito or Rivera?
2: No. No. Definitely yeah. not. Um, not uh, Nito has not. a swing change that's doing something so far, maybe? But...
0: I don't know if I believe in it, but I think it's more likely that Nito hits
1: than Ali Sanchez hits. Yeah, yeah Sanchez has really no chance of hitting in the majors. His bat is weak, even as He's, minor leaguers go. Yeah, kind of never hit in the minors, except for like... He's another guy like Mangums, where he slashes the ball to the opposite field, and that's basically what Sanchez does way too much of. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really his defensive chops that have gotten him where he has, where he is. And, you know, he's not going to magically become a 300 hitter, you know, in the majors. And he's not going to magically become a, a terrible defender either. So you know what he is. Um, you know, nothing's going to change. I don't need to see anyone else swapped out in favor of him. And I have a soft spot for Renee Rivera. I think he's going to be a, a coach someday, hopefully with the Mets, so.
2: Yeah, I like I like Rene Rivera too. Uh, should catch- like, No reason you don't just keep rostering that dude every year until he retires.
1: Exactly. Well, you just give him a spot till he's
2: done. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a nice spot. Okay, I'm just glad we got through that without mentioning just money Grandal. Oh no, I mentioned just money Grandal. As we move on.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the next guy's another catcher, so maybe we won't be able to escape that. Oh um, no, Patrick Mazeika. Would you uh, guys want no. to see Mizega over Nito or Rivera? No. Yeah, definitely not.
2: Definitely not. Easy no. The dude is not a catcher.
1: No, he is not a good catcher. He's not a good hitter. He's just, he was he was always a guy, he, he got some attention because he was an older guy on a younger team, so he was like the big fish in small pond, and he had a couple of years of good numbers in like Kingsport in Columbia, and maybe St. Lucie, I don't know off the top of my head, but... Just nothing says Major Leaguer about his profile, and there's no reason to audition him. All right, uh, next now is the only outfielder in the mix, Quinn Brody. So you have Ioannis Cespedes, and I'm going to pause here because Ken brought something to my attention that is going to have a, a pretty big impact on actually this next part discussing outfielders now. Ken, what's going on?
0: Uh so apparently Jonas Espiritus has opted out of the 2020 season.
1: Uh so yeah. That's a pretty major shakeup there. Uh luckily though the Mets do have a lot of kind of I I'll use the term loosely uh outfield depth. I mean Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto obviously locks. But then they have guys like J.D. Davis, Dom Smith, Jack McNe- Jeff McNeil, who they're not technically outfielders, but they do have some experience playing in the outfield. So that's good that, you know, they have that ability. And then Jake Marisnick was the first guy off the bench. You know, he's on the DL, but he'll be back probably. But who knows, actually, with the Mets at some point. Um, Juan Lagares is there. I don't think he's on the major league team yet, but I'm sure he will be at some point. Ryan Cordell, uh, they just traded for Billy Hamilton. So there's a bunch of outfielders, just not good outfielders. (laughs)
2: Um, That's that's like a recurring theme. We've got a lot of X, just not good ones.
1: And, And they all seem to be polar opposites of each other you have davis smith and mcneil who obviously are not good defenders but they have solid bats and then you have Marisnik, lagares hamilton <laughs> who you know are the exact opposite they have no bats but they're pretty good defenders. they have like six guys doing exactly six guys
0: doing the work of two
2: so i mean maybe I think, I think jeff McNeil's a pretty good outfield glove actually but i might be wrong on that yeah be... i
0: think
2: he's fine he's, in a corner he's fine yeah what they need to do maybe is you're have, gonna propose some sort of Frankenstein project, aren't you
1: right right if you <laughs> if you set up your if you set up your infield so that Ahmed Rosario is third base oh no excuse me Andres Jimenez is third base slash shortstop okay and Ahmed on. Rosario is shortstop slash second baseman so you're eliminating your third baseman completely uh-huh. that way you, now you have a roaming fielder so you can have Billy Hamilton basically carry J.D. Smith or McNeil or whatever in the outfield, so you get his legs.
2: Uh huh. And that's so your proposal is to have Billy Hamilton pick up one of the outfielders and yes. run around with them.
1: And- He's going to pick up Don Smith because he is. I don't
2: think I don't think Billy Hamilton is strong enough to pick up any of those dudes. Have you seen the guy? He, he weighs talented. about ten pounds soaking wet
1: listen drastic measures call for drastic action so yeah. but um so getting back to Quinn Brody do any of you want to see Brody over Lagares Cordell Hamilton Nick when he gets back
2: I would rather see Brody than Lagares but my mindset is, is also yeah that is more to do with Lagares than it's yeah, like it's it's very much an Oswald uh, Peterson argument on a lesser scale. It's like, this season is a wash most likely. I don't think people have grasped how big a hole four games is. It's wild,
0: games. man. Yeah. <laughs> like
2: three and seven, your season is... How
0: quickly this went down the tube, yeah. even though the playoffs are like literally more than half the league.
2: Right, right. Um, so under that context, yeah, I'd rather see if Quinn Brody can do something. Instead of bring Juan Lagares back again,
1: I mean, I see the utility of wanting to see what you young guys have, especially over veteran kind of bench pieces that play no part of the future whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I just don't see any kind of major league future for Brody. I mean, I
2: I don't disagree.
1: Yeah. Just, I mean again for, I,
2: I'm always I'm almost always speaking from a macro perspective as opposed to thinking about like what you do with this profile in general whereas on a micro perspective this player specifically you're probably right I don't I don't see it
1: I mean offensively maybe he's better than those guys but I don't even think so yeah. and defensively he's definitely not a better defender so I, I just see it's just a net negative all around
2: yeah you're, you're probably right
1: um, all right, now we'll move on to the last three players, and they're all pitchers, two relievers and a starter. Matt Blackham, Riley Gilliam, and Kevin Smith. So let's start with Kevin Smith, the starter. Obviously, Jacob DeGrom and Stephen Matz are locks. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you have Rick Porcello, Michael Waka, and I guess David Peterson. And obviously, Franklin Kilame is in the mix somehow. Um, so... Do you have more faith in Smith than you do in Porcello, Waka, Peterson, Killamay, that whole secondary tier of pitchers that the Mets are going with?
2: <sighs> Dan, why don't you go first before I say something <laughs> stupid? Or oh, not. I...
0: <laughs> Sorry, I, I uh, <laughs> stepped away for just a second. That's, no,
2: that's unfortunate. Um...
0: It's, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, look I, my no. hot
2: take is that I'd rather see Kevin Smith than Rick Porcello. But I just really, really. I think don't I'd like
0: rather him. see most people than Rick Porcello. Yeah, <laughs> I just really,
2: really. For no real reason, it's not like he's ever harmed the Mets. I don't know that he's ever done anything particularly egregious. I've never met the guy or like, been personally slighted. I just. Mm-hmm didn't want him on this roster and it was like looming over us for so long. It's like, please no Rick Porcello. And then it actually happened for $10 million. It's like, oh my God, we had, we actually did it. We actually signed Rick Porcello. Um. So yes, I'd rather see Kevin Smith over Rick Porcello.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd rather see Smith but... over one of, one of the two. I don't know which one. And you can have Franklin Kilmay and Smith just kind of piggyback each other or whatever. Just let them I both get that, innings. Yeah. This place. yeah. Because I mean, you need one. I, I I think that Porcello is an innings eater, or I mean, I know he's a lot more durable than Waka, so maybe he's more valuable in that sense. But I don't. I think the he's value very Vargas esque. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I really
2: think the value know, of an innings eater is overstated,
1: especially when they're bad innings.
2: Exactly. Well, that's exactly it, right? Like, yeah. okay, this guy's going to eat innings for us. He's going to have a five ERA, but he's out there throwing those innings. Don't worry.
1: What I mean, Kilome isn't a guy, like you know, like we were saying before, he's just coming back from Tommy John. he doesn't have any real experience above Double A. Um, same thing with Smith. He didn't have the surgery, but he has no experience above Double A, and you know, the stuff stuff is not spectacular either, so I wouldn't just drop Porcello and Waka immediately and insert those two guys in, but it would be nice to finagle things that you can get extended looks at both of those guys to see what you got. And obviously that's going to come at the expense of either Porcello or Walker. Yeah. Or you could just say, shut Jagram down, put him in bubble wrap. We don't want you getting hurt, and we'll come back next season.
2: I'm fine with that.
1: (laughs) What are your thoughts on Smith, Ken?
0: Um... I'm more or less, all the things that have been said, like I'd rather see new guy, pretty much anybody over Rick Porcello. Um, Smith is fine. He's, he's, you know, left-handed. I figured he would be one of the first guys who got called up anyway. Um, but yeah, it's hard to argue not to go with, you know, fresh blood over some of the guys who they
1: have been trotting out there. Yeah, Oswald, I, I keep forgetting about him. He is still on the roster, so... He would most likely factor into all this somehow too, but.
2: I mean, to put context on this, I'd rather see Corey Oswald than Rick Porcello. Like, sorry. Mm.
0: Again, I'd rather see most pitchers than...
1: (laughs) Just such a boring... (sighs) Alright, well, uh, last two guys, uh, bullpen arms. So, the Mets had a little more dead weight on the roster like a week ago, but they've... D F would Hunter Strickland, and they traded Ty Bachelor for cash. So that's two spots that have been since uh, changed. So Edwin Diaz, regardless of his struggles, he's a lock-sustainable pen, barring a Phantom DL stint or something. Seth Lugo, Jay familia Delon Patances, I think that they're all obvious locks because, you know, they're just upside is high, regardless of their kind of struggles on a per-game basis. Uh, Justin Wilson, he was pretty good last year. He, he's a lock. Uh, Drew Smith, he's back after missing last year. He's looked pretty good, so he's a lock. Jared Hughes is back from the DL. You know, he's been fine the last couple of years, so I would assume that he's a lock. So basically, that leaves the three weakest links in the bullpen as Jason Shreve, Paul Seawall, and Daniel Zamora. So... Is Matt Blackham an upgrade over either the one of those three?
2: Over Seawold? I think yes. It's I think possible. More, I think there's more upside. I mean, I think... I'm not even sure there's more downside, right? Because Seawald <laughs> is bad. Like, there's a chance Blackham just comes up and walks three million people. And Seawold won't do that. He'll just give up hits to two and a half million people. So, what's the difference? I just think Blackham's stuff is better to the point where he might actually strike some guys out at a notable rate. Yep.
1: How about Riley Gilliam? Is he an upgrade over Shreve, Seawald, or Zamora?
0: Yeah, probably. I think so. Yeah, I mean, definitely within the fudge factor where he should be like in that group.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I like Zamora a little bit. I guess not as much now with a three-batter rule. He's not as useful anymore. Um, but again, someone who we don't have a huge sample size to work off of, someone who has good minor league numbers, someone who has stuff that's mildly interesting. He's 27, so he's not young. It's not necessarily someone I want to just throw away. Shreve, whatever. Don't care. Same with like uh the dude they just called up today, Jared Hughes. Like, whatever. Bring up the young guys. I'd rather see them.
1: I like Paul Seawolf for some reason. Maybe it's just following him toil away for so many years. I mean, he is just—he is objectively bad. And honestly, I'm not really sure how he still has his roster spot after all of this time. I mean, he has quite a few major league innings over the last what is it, like, the like the Mets two three like years.
2: Their guys, Steve. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the crazy thing is his peripherals are always pretty good. And then he's just... bad.
1: I mean, you just, just look at him, like, you could, see he's just very hittable, like, you don't need to be...
2: I mean, he's very hittable, but then he strikes <laughs> out more than a batter per inning, it's like, it doesn't make any sense!
1: It's like, no one knows where the ball's going, the batters or him included, so, whatever happens He doesn't walk a
2: ton of guys either, I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not some huge policy world stand, but, uh, he, he perplexes me, I'll admit. He's an enigma. Shrouded in a cloud of mystery. Yeah, I mean, A middle relief mystery. Talk about a B-movie.
1: He is, like, the, the definition of replacement player. Mm-hmm. Replacement level player. Mm-hmm. And I got a soft spot, gotta say.
2: I mean, like, 15 years ago, he would have been a closer for sure. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, we got five of them in the back. Um I mean, yeah, I noticed I you left uh, Stephen Valines off this list. Uh, why Why are you sliding my boy, Steve? Uh,
1: he's not in – he's not on the uh,
2: – Why, why not, is my boy being slighted?
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on this year.
2: I don't think any of us do.
1: No, he was not in the pool. He's not on the non-roster invitee list. I think that he probably should have been, could have been, but does not.
2: Neither was so, team, I mean, yeah. I, my radical idea is that a smart team would, which the Mets are not. A smart team, if they realize this season is going down the drain, would like eat their bad contracts and get it over with. But that'll never happen because they're so cash-strapped anyway. Like you yeah, could because very because they're
0: you, literally in the process of selling.
2: <laughs> that too, right? But you like. If you were a good team and you're looking at this year, be like, uh, Familia, yeah, just take the rest of your money now so that you're not on the books next year, right? And then we could cycle some more of these guys through, but here we are. I mean,
1: since day one, I've been of the opinion that it should just be a tank year and yeah, go for that draft spot. With our luck, with the Mets' luck, they'll do some kind of thing where 2020 standings don't reflect the pick order of the 2021 draft, but
2: so there, there are two options, right Steve? Either they do the normal Mets thing, just say, well, they skipped the good start, so we missed that step. But we're in the bad middle part now, right? And then they're going to rally and just mm-hmm. miss the playoffs somehow and give us hope, and we'll get a mediocre draft pick. And in that case, the standings will matter for the draft pick. Or for once in, like, the past two decades, they'll actually really, really, really suck and get into that top three or four pick range. And then MLB will say, yeah, there was not enough data. We're just going to use the draft order from last year.
0: No, the, there is a third scenario here, which is they get the great draft pick, draft a good player, and then trade him away. Oh! Uh, uh,
2: and- <laughs> for, um, uh, thinking, thinking, thinking. Oh, Jose got hurt, like I was going to say that. Um. James Karinchak. They trade, they trade like uh their elite new prospect for James Krenzak, and he, then he just starts giving up homers to every other batter. <laughs> I love James Krenzak, but is that how you pronounce? I don't even know if that's how you pronounce the name.
1: Sure, I don't even know who you're talking about.
2: A really, really, really good young reliever for the Indians.
1: Yeah, I I'm sorry, be.
2: Cleveland baseball team. <laughs>
1: No would not know. But I mean I, I know what you're saying. That is a kind of met's move. Well, at least we didn't bring up Jared Kellynick at least once, right? So No, yeah.
2: we, we left it we left it implied. Ah, oops.
1: <laughs> All right, well, uh any last words for the week here?
2: Just cancel the season. Yeah. Yep. It's not worth it. I was I mean I was of the opinion that the season should never have happened in the first place. It's not worth the risk. I've
0: always kind of been of the the camp that um this is a terrible idea, but if it's going to happen, I might as well watch, you know. Yeah, no,
2: of course. If they were, my thought process was they shouldn't do this. COVID serious, don't do this. If you're and if you're going to do it, do it in a bubble, like at least the NBA. Yeah, put some behind.
0: thought into how you do it. <laughs> no, no, screw that. Nope. Not how, not how they work.
1: Nope. All right, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from ComplexToQueens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Siper. Lucas is at El Vlahos 343. And Ken is at Ken 1191. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. Until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.